Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, March 7th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday in our morning reflection, answering the same question that came last Friday. So just going to hopefully try to finish that question today. Um, but just a reminder, if you haven't, um, if you were not in attendance on Sunday when we shared the survey results, go to the church website. The live stream recording is there as well as the PowerPoint um, that Eric presented. So you can just, all that's in front of you. So again, transparency and trust is what we're trying to, to maintain and build around all this. Um, let me read our morning psalm. Seems appropriate in light of the conversation we're having together as a church family. This is Psalm 127. It's one of the pilgrim psalms as they made their way to Jerusalem. And it says it's of Solomon, who was the one who built uh, the temple. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Psalm of blessing over the family, but it also is this reminder, unless God watches over us in our homes, our church, our, our nation, our communities, etc., you know, we need God to be our, our protector, our defender, the one who's watching over us as we walk through this season. May it be so. Uh, let, me, let me just read the question again uh, that came on Friday, and I began to address it yesterday and kind of didn't get all the way through it. So much, hopefully we'll, we'll complete uh, some reflections today and answer the question. So Don, I'm asking this question before the coming survey results are revealed, but a substantial portion of Greenwich will very likely not agree with realignment and ultimately leave our church. Hopefully that's not the case in a moot question, but if it is, what will Greenwich do to address the resulting financial negative impact? Less congregants will obviously reduce income. Will we have to slim down staff or curtail mission expenses or what? Especially given last year's financial shortfall, this seems to be a coming storm by our own creation. What is our plan? So again, very thoughtful question. So yesterday was kind of a meandering set of thoughts in light of the presentation and kind of what it means to be in community with those with whom we differ. And that's always the case for us as Christians. The issues we differ over will vary from what team we cheer for, how we vote, where we live, um, what kind of music and food we like to theological convictions and beliefs, and then practices that flow out of those theological convictions. Um, again, just to remind you, um, you know, we had 433 surveys returned, 354 of those from members. So that's like 75% of our membership. Um, right, right, just, just maybe a, a nudge under 75%. 
Um, but 389 of the 433 respondents indicated they feel more aligned with Greenwich, looking at that comparison chart, um, and 37 individuals said they felt a little more aligned with with the Peace USA. So my heart goes out to the 37 because I know what it's like to be in the 37. I'm in the 37 at National Capital Presbytery. I get that. I think the difference that I was trying to articulate yesterday at Greenwich, we, we, we try to give them the mic, we give you the microphone, we let you ask the question, you can speak. We, we, it's harder at the presbytery level because the message that we bring increasingly is resisted, if not explicitly said to be wrong or harmful or in some cases even violent. Um, there's this one piece that I read last year. We didn't put it on the source documents, but this one piece, a conference was held. If your congregation is not fully affirming of LGBTQIA plus individuals, you are killing people. You are doing violence. I mean, I read that. Now, that was, that was not official pronouncement. It was the opinion of an individual at a conference, but it, it made the news story. It made the Presbyterian agency's news cycle. And, and it's, so obviously it's advocating for something. The alternative view, our view never is lifted up in our denominational publications. It's just not. And that's the challenge, okay? So how do we live in the context of these differences? And I think that's what we've been, that's what I've been teaching about for years and years. We've been the minority voice. I've been in the 37. I get that. It's not easy, but it softens. It, it, it teaches you some things. It forms character, right? I'm always talking about character formation and discipleship. You teach humility, teaches you trust. It teaches you how to engage a conversation where you're at odds with somebody to engage a little more thoughtfully and not just harangue, but it teaches you how to actually speak. And it's hard. It, it's a skill that, that few of us have. So the, so the question is concerned about how many folks will leave and and that's to be determined right i mean I, I hope nobody leaves i suspect some will um have already received some communication of folks that are ranging from disappointed to angry and so my response will be as pastoral and gracious uh, just try to seek those responses because these are folks i know have spent time with have sometimes ministered to and shepherded and in you know family needs and things so there's some tenderness there so so pray so with respect to let me just kind of get to the financial question and, and then maybe loop back uh, to some additional thoughts um i think it's a fair question so it, it remains to see, be seen if this question is moot. You know, uh, hopefully that's not the case. The people don't leave, so it's a moot question. Let's assume for discussion's sake some folks are going to leave. They just, they feel out of alignment now with Greenwich and conscientiously can't go on. So peace be with you. you in my mind and heart, you'll always be part of the Greenwich Church family. But I respect uh, folks' consciences, and naturally, they will go to a—I pray they will go to another church. Uh, please don't stop going to church. 
uh, go to another church and become very involved there and support financially and otherwise. So, so that's the case. But let's assume some folks leave. Less congregants will obviously reduce income. Doesn't have to be that way. Existing congregants can give more. If I just refer you back to some uh, recent basement academies, just talking about stewardship. The fact is that we could all give more than we do. That's just a given, okay? And I'm not, again, I'm not scolding anybody. It's just, I could give more than I do. You could give more than you do. Few of us are the widows, the widow giving her two pennies, right? The widows might. Most of us give out of our abundance, not out of our scarcity, okay? Say it that way. So there may be a need, an opportunity, a challenge that the leadership, if we find a negatively downward uh, trend financially, Again, understanding that there's a cycle to how church finances. So normally, you know, we would see, you know, kind of flat giving at this point, maybe dipping a little bit in the summer and then it picks up in the fall. That's that. So we need to not overreact. But that being said, maybe the leadership will offer a challenge. Um, when, when the uh, pandemic hit, um, we did some contingency planning some uh, worst case scenarios. So, you know, two or three different scenarios. And we found that folks jumped up and gave and supported because nobody was coming to church, right? Um, and, you know, through various mechanisms, <clears throat> sending checks to the church, online giving, et cetera, uh, we found we finished the year uh, with a greater surplus than we ever had before, which demonstrates a lot, you know, of Greenwich's capacity to give its commitment. And so, so in answer to what's the financial plan, well, we haven't determined one yet because we have to wait and see, you know, if people are going to leave, but we might preemptively want to make a, a, a gentle appeal. Maybe this is the beginning of that to give. If you are committed to Greenwich and you feel committed to its mission and ministry and our message and what we're about and you support the leadership of our church and you want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread to all nations uh, beginning here and in our own community and you want to you want to see children raised and loved and nurtured in the in the fear and nurture of the Lord give sacrificially and so I invite you uh, to, to do so um, will we have to slim down staff or curtail mission expenses or what um, in our contingency planning uh, in the pandemic uh, in 2020, so you know a couple weeks from now, three years ago, so we're almost at the uh, three-year anniversary of the pandemic. Um, so that kind of April, May, June timeframe, we were doing the scenarios, <clears throat> and it did not involve trimming staff. We did put a pause on hiring our director of family ministries because we were in the search. We had candidates we were um, uh, interacting with and doing soft interviews with, and we just stopped. We paused the search. And so um, uh, we don't have any open positions that we're searching for right now, but I'm sure we would pause that. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm just going to say the session thinks the same way. Whoever asked this question, the session thinks that way. And so we would probably do some scenarios. If we get into this year and we find income going down, people leaving the church, then we'll be just upfront about that. You know, we'll make the appeals, but we'll also do the, the frugal 
wise thing of, of trimming expenses, um, and we'll be thoughtful about that and let everybody know. Um, it's also possible that more people are going to come to Greenwich because we do this. In the question, again, I'm not, I'm not challenging the questioner. I'm not, you know, scolding, but there's a missing piece here that maybe this is what we're supposed to do, that God wants us to realign, to be greater clarity so that it's, so it's not confusing. There are people who stay away from Greenwich because of our brand. We know that. We've had anecdotal, we have, we have heard from people, I avoided your church because you're PCUSA. And then I went to a funeral and I heard what you said. And all of a sudden I realized this may not be a PCUSA church like I thought it was. So our brand has kept people away because there are plenty of churches around us that are growing, like Greenwich is growing, that are growing also. So rebranding may actually bring more people. And I don't think the questioner has considered that. So yes, there may be some lost, but there may be many more gained. And so I just offer that. Again, I don't know the future, but I offer that um, as a, a possibility. You know, so, so the, the question is less about the differences and disagreements. It's more a very practical question. It might be the same person who asked the question a couple weeks ago, last week that I answered about hey, how do we end up with a shortfall and what do we do? So it may be a very financially minded individual. And I'm thankful for that because the, the practical side of things is real. You know, the, the Christian faith is very much considered with God and spirituality and the heavens and future and things we can't see, right? We fix our eyes on what is unseen because the unseen things are e eternal says the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. But there are practical realities. Staffing, budgets, buildings, schedules, room setups, cleaning. <laughs> you know, all of these just day-to-day -day administrative practical realities of community life. Chores, right? So your household... Somebody has to do the laundry and the dishes and fold the clothes and make the bed and mow the lawn and, and, and pay the bills. And it takes money to do those things. So, so we don't, I appreciate the, the integration of this question that our survey and the theological concerns are going, may well have practical ramifications. And I, I appreciate the, the question because it gives me an opportunity to think out loud about this. And it gives our elders an opportunity. We're meeting tonight. So, so the elders will meet um, in their regular monthly meeting, first Tuesday of the month, and we'll consider uh, the results and have these conversations. And hopefully some of them will have listened to the Basement Academy, but I will raise this question, even if nobody else does, hey, one of us thoughtfully has asked the question, one of our Greenwich family has asked, what's the financial impact and what are we doing about that? Um, and so I appreciate the opportunity uh, to do some, some digging around. Yeah, at the end of the day, <clears throat> 
we always believe that, that God is with us. That that's not just an affirmation we make at Christmas. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And we don't always talk about God being with us at Christmas, or we don't only talk about God being with us, you know, when we lose a loved one. That's often the kind of comforting way we approach uh, church family members and others. God be with you. May God comfort you. God is with you even in the darkest valley, Psalm 23, right? In the valley of the shadow of death. And so the question is, is God no longer with us if we realign? Well, of course not. Of course God is with us. And is God not with an individual who leaves the church if they feel conscientiously they can no longer be part of the Greenwich family? I respect that. And God will be with that person or that family. And may they go with God to a new church home where they can grow and thrive and flourish and participate and give and serve and worship and and the like, right? And so will God be with the National Capital Presbytery if we depart? Yes. <laughs> Are we saying God is not with the National Capital Presbytery? We're not saying that at all. This is about practical realities. What will release, what will give Greenwich the, great, the greater opportunity to flourish and to reach our community and to not always have to be in that defensive posture of apologizing for our denominational alignment that is not reflective of who we, t- who we are in our teachings and preachings and practices. And so our giving will be a piece of that. And so um, God distributes spiritual gifts in various ways. And so we tend to spiritualize the spiritual gifts, right? And look at, oh, we look at, you know, Heather Sorensen, who's among us. Oh, she's such a gifted musician and composer and singer, etc. Or Lon can direct the choir. Or those beautiful people who can make those visual arts. Or Don and Eric because they can preach. Or Austin because they can preach. Oh, those people are gifted. Well, some of y'all have been gifted by God with the gift of making money. Now, that's just, well, that's not a spiritual gift. Yes, it is. <laughs> the gift of gift. So God has granted wealth to some for God's own reasons. And so the wealth is granted not just for you to hog it. It's not granted to me just to hog it. Stewardship says, and if some of you have been granted great wealth, what a great opportunity to exercise that gift for the building of the kingdom, not just at Greenwich, but around the world. I hope you're a generous, philanthropic person. And some of us may scratch out a tithe, you know, it's hard to give 10%. Some could give way beyond 10% because your needs are not so great. Your wealth, your money, your income exceeds anything you could ever reasonably live on. And so it might, some of you might be able, I don't know, to write a check and eliminate the debt completely at the church. Now, I can't write a $900,000 check. I w- if I could, I would, I think, I, I'd like to. But some of you may be able to. And so, again, this is not a backwards opinion. I'm just saying God will be with us as we walk through this. And so the questioner asks a wonderful question about finances, but the answer is much simpler than we think. 
we believe God's called us to this level of mission and ministry, hence the staff and the budget and the mission partners, etc., that we engage in. And where God guides us, he will provide for us, and he will provide for us through us. And he will draw people and has drawn and will draw in the future folks to Greenwich who can teach our Sunday school classes and lead our youth and sing in our choir and support the mission and ministry of the church. God loves a cheerful giver, a joyful giver. Don't give under compulsion. Give out of this love, this overflowing love and response to who God is and what he's done for you in setting you free. And use that worldly wealth for the kingdom purposes. And so Greenwich may, by this realignment discussion, again, I, I, you know, session hasn't made decisions, but the survey probably gives us a little bit of momentum going forward, doesn't it? Um, and so these next months to years, year, couple of years might be tumultuous. The building years were tumultuous, right? When I came here, it was tumultuous. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's where we meet God. And so that's why every moment becomes a discipleship opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to prove God's faithfulness. He promises to guide us. He will go with us. He promises to shelter and comfort us. He, he'll watch over the city. He'll build the house, right? And, and if he doesn't, well, we're stuck. You know, we're, we're, we're hung out to dry. So God have mercy on us. And God also promises to provide for all of our needs. And so I'm excited for what this all means. It's, it's a little bit of a churn. Not everybody's happy right now. But out of that comes a deeper engagement with our faith, our hope, our love for the sake of Jesus Christ. And out of that, I pray, comes deeper commitment to Christ and to love and honor one another. Okay, Let, let's close there. Um, and I think what I'll do is reflect one more time. I'll just I'll give an update on the conversation the session has uh, tonight and we'll reflect with you what I can. And I don't know why I couldn't reflect on a lot with you. Uh, I'll just share that, okay? So I hope you tune in tomorrow. Let's pray. And so Father, thank you for the precious and very great promises we have in scripture that you are with us always, not just at Christmas, not just in our dark valleys, but in our tough decisions, in our community life. And so we thank you that you have gifted each of us with the graces of your spirit. And so we pray for the fruit of the spirit to be born in, in deeper measure. And we pray for a, a deeper release of the gifts of your spirit, for preaching and teaching and leading our children and singing in our choir and, and for administering and, and giving and, and sharing uh, abundance that your kingdom may grow among us and through us at Greenwich. And so, Father, hear us as we pray and pray for the elders as they gather. May this be a conversation led and guided and shaped only by your Holy Spirit and by hearts that are consecrated to you. And so, Father, watch over us now and forever as we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Amen. May God bless you and may God make you to be a blessing to others this day in your conversation, in your speech, in your giving, in your service. May you love others as he has loved you. Amen.